Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And today we have an episode on state management, a uh, hot topic as of recently, well, as of a good while now. Um, and uh, we've got a new uh, approach in the game here, uh, NGXS. So that our episode is going to be all about that. And we're going to be checking that thing out. So uh, let's get started. Uh, introduce our panelists here joining us. We've got Bonnie Brennan with us. Bonnie, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Excited for another episode. So um, yeah, and then our, our, a couple of our other panelists are out today. So we'll catch them next week. And uh, one of our panelists is actually our guest today, one of our guests. Uh, this guy's gone crazy in the open source world. You know, we know him for a lot of different libraries that he's created. Um, now he's jumped into the state management game. Uh, Austin McDaniel, what's going on? How's it going? Can I be like a guest and a panelist? Like ask myself, like talk in third person and ask myself questions. <laughs> yeah, you can be a ghoulist, copyright Jeff Cross, if you want to do that. So um, yeah, sure, ghoulist. you can be the ghoulist today. All right, and then we our other guest is uh, Danny Blue. Danny, how's it going? Hey, Justin, Bonnie, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, everything's going going pretty great. We are, um, I don't know if you can see behind me, but it is a uh, rainy, miserable day um, this close to DC, and uh, we're about to get a bunch of snow, so it's gonna be awesome. I like that name, Danny Blue. That's like a 70s song, I think. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it does roll off the tongue, even uh, playing like football in, um, uh, back in school, um, I always got called by my full name, never just by my last name, so it's Danny Blue. That's a pretty cool name. Yeah. Well, thank you. Cool. Cool. Well, um, we probably know a lot about Austin, but we'll get into that too. Uh, Danny, why don't you tell us a little about yourself uh, for our viewers and stuff like that? What you got going on? You're pretty active in open source as well too, right? Um, give us a rundown. Yeah, um, I try to be. So um, like I said, my name's Danny Blue. Um, some people may hear me on the web platform podcast, so I've been doing that for uh, quite a number of years at this point. Um, I'm a Google developer expert for web technologies. Um, you also may have seen my name pop up a lot around things like um, the Angular CLI and uh, issues and stuff there, and also an NG Packager, and then most recently with uh, NGXS. Um, so pretty much that's uh, about it. Just got my nose in uh, a bunch of different things, probably where it doesn't belong, but, uh, but uh, fun stuff. Nice, nice. And Austin, you want to give our viewers a little rundown of you as a guest? Uh, I like pandas, um, long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have been doing JavaScript for about 12 years professionally now. Um, I've kind of seen a lot of different frameworks come and go. I you know, took a latching onto Angular probably about five years ago now and have been working with it ever since then. Um, I've got a number of like popular open source libraries, um, NGX data table, I came on the show and talked about that before. Uh, I'm a contributor on NGX charts. I think we had an episode about that before too. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I just do a lot of different things in the community. I'm also on the Angular material team, so I'm a core contributor there. Um, some really exciting stuff coming up in the V6 release, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just like doing open source and sharing, you know, the, the challenges and the problems and the solutions that I come up with with the community. I semi-frequently blog. I kind of like go on these like sprees where I write like four in a four in a week, and then I like go for like three weeks without writing one, but uh, I just kind of blog whatever's on my mind and like whatever I'm trying to accomplish then. And I think it's really relatable and um, yeah, that's about it. I have a question that I've seen on Twitter a couple times and I think it's the question on everybody's mind. When do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, uh, like a couple different people have asked me that actually, I'm like, Guys, I sleep a lot, actually. Pandas sleep a lot. They take a lot of naps. I probably sleep like nine, 10 hours a day. <laughs> it's important. It's important yeah. to be fresh. I don't know about that. I think it was last night. I was getting ready to go to, I was getting ready to go to bed and I've got Twitter messages from Austin and be like, hey, I want to do this thing that I need to show you. And it's like, that's gonna that's gotta wait. It's gonna have to wait. Go to sleep. <laughs> 
past your bedtime, Panda. Nice. All right, so before we get into this library, right, um, state management, maybe we can just kind of give a quick refresher. What, what are we talking about with state management and why, what are we trying to accomplish? And, and I guess the concept of state management in general in terms of, you know, Angular apps and that sort of thing. Yeah, so first of all, like state management is not a new concept, right? Like it's been around for forever. And in AngularJS, uh, well, in React, like they have this whole like flux architecture that Facebook kind of proposed. And one of the implementations of the flux architecture is a really popular library called Redux that kind of does global state management with immutable state stores. Um, and it's a really clever approach. It kind of takes hints from CQRS pattern, just command query separation. Um, which is a popular server pattern back about 10 years ago, actually. Um, and, you know, it, when we're building complex applications, we can't just put, be stuffing variables in our, in our components like we used to, right? Like, we need to, like, orchestrate a little more, like, conscious state management, especially when we're sharing states across multiple different components. When you're dealing with immutability, it can be difficult to, you know, have a single source of truth and make sure that like mutations are done in the correct way and so on. But with that said, most, I, I would say that about 50% of the people that are looking into Redux or NGRX or something like this library probably don't need it. Um, and, and this is something that Dan, uh, the creator of Redux has actually said is like, don't bring it in until you actually know that you need it. And I think a lot of times it's really easy for us to see shiny object, right? Like the dev tools are so cool. Like I can rewind stuff and you probably don't need it. If you just have like an app, with just some forms and stuff like that, you're not really sharing data. Like it's going to cause you more trouble than what it's worth. I feel like. I actually have a question on that. I've been thinking a little bit about that. Like the, don't bring it in until you need it. Well, um, are we really talking about the, the framework, the, the library and all that it entails, the boilerplate and all that stuff? Is that what we're really adverse to in terms of bringing it in before you need it? Or is it like the actual concept of what you're trying to solve? Um, like if I think in terms of, I've got two components that live in different locations and I need them to communicate in some way with some data, um, you know, that, that's fairly common thing that arises pretty quick in an application development. Like, couldn't that be justification for saying I need some type of state management, um, sort of thing. So I personally think that you should pass properties and callbacks or events in Angular as long as you re realistically can before you start introducing a bunch of, uh, you know, like a, a new rack world to come like connected components or stuff like that, but before you start wiring up this big state management system, not, not necessarily big, before you start wiring up a state management system, you'd be surprised how far you can get by just having intelligent inputs and intelligent outputs with, um, uh, with, you know, like so, with, so sometimes you can build entire applications with your root component, everything goes down, everything goes through your component tree and you can just pass all your state up that way. And then everything passes a chain, it's changes up through events and then back down. You can get a really long way just doing that without introducing an outside mechanism. Yeah. I think the, the thing is like when you start, you know, you, you're that example right there, right? Um, when you start having like 15 inputs that you're starting to pass down and it's starting to get tricky to like orchestrate two like components, different levels in the tree, right. To like populate those up. And maybe you have like 10 events that you need to populate up, right. When you start getting this complexity, right. Like you're probably your first thought is I'll just create a service and I'll put a behavior subject in it or something like that. And that can actually get you really far as well uh, before you actually need something like a state management system. But when you start seeing yourself do that over and over again, and you, you know, you see some of the things you, you see these patterns and um, like 
you're starting to build a more complex application, that's when it certainly becomes evident that, you know, you need to really, you know, investigate a state management system, invest in it. Yeah, I think those are, are very good points. Um, I think that one thing that I run into a lot with is it doesn't take me long with the the pattern of component development and things like that. Like if I, if I have a parent component and I have a child component and I've got inputs and outputs and I'm sending that stuff through, feels good. But um, the whole component system makes me feel like I want to be able to break up things into smaller components and work with it, right? So I want to be able to take that child component and break it up and, and maybe nest some more levels now at that point. But as soon as I do that, I feel this friction because now I've got to play the chain of passing down inputs or passing up outputs and, and wiring that up. And I feel like I immediately get into this, okay, if I had a solution for state management, and, and I would say that even the, the simple service with a behavior subject is a form of state management across these things, right? So I need to solve that so that I can still be feel good about breaking my application up into smaller components and, and not worrying about the component tree dictating some of my flow of that stuff, right? Um, so it almost feels a little bit like I want to have some sort of solution for components talking to each other beyond just the inputs and outputs, right? But I don't necessarily want to take on all of the stuff that comes with some of these other state management things, right? I don't know. That's kind of one of the things I think about. I think um, you probably refactored too much, Justin. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that that is one of the things, right? Like, but that really doesn't happen until you start creating a very complex component tree and you have a big application, right? Like I just have a form with some inputs and stuff like that. Like it's not really, you're not really going to be doing that. Right. So I would say that like, when you start hitting that point, you want to start breaking these out. You probably have a pretty complex component tree and it makes sense to start thinking about state management. Okay, so, so what do I get then with this like advanced state management, this complex state management that we're concerned about like taking on, right? Like um, you talk about CQRS and, and communication between components, um, maybe some of the other stuff that comes along with that. I think Bonnie had something. What were you going to say, Bonnie? I was wondering when you're making this library, <clears throat> especially when you decide to open source it and share it with people, right? Do you ever have like a moment when you're like, Oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> just like, like something came along that you didn't think about and you, and now you have like, especially when other people come on and use your library, like that's, it's pressure, isn't it? Uh, I, I see it as free unit test <laughs> and my QA, <laughs> right? I like to open source everything that I do, right? I want to share it if I can. Um, so I can get that validation, right? Like I find it right. Like sometimes I just go crazy. Um, and just like write something and I think it's cool, but if no one clicks the star button on GitHub, maybe I did something wrong. So are you going to show so, us the code? Uh, are you going to show us what it looks like? We'll get there, Bonnie. We'll get there. Putting the horse in front of the carriage. That's the, um, that's the question and every developer show me the code. So we got a couple of things to talk about before we get there. Um, so Justin, you ask like, you know, what was your question again, actually? <laughs> <laughs> My question is, you know, we talk about get to like a behavior subject and a service to kind of solve some of this mini state management between components. So, um, but what, what are we getting with these larger state management solutions? Like what are the other things that we're solving by taking this on? Right. And what do they do? Danny, you want to take this one? Sure. So in the same way that I just said that you can oftentimes be surprised about how far you can get by just using inputs and outputs in your components, um, it's also fairly easy to get yourself in a hole if, when, if you do to start so say you run into that exact situation, you're like, okay, I'm going to add a property on my class that's a behavior subject and everything that listens to it is always going to get updated. Now you have to, you and your team potentially have to adhere to a certain set of rules to make that work. And uh, so then you start saying, like, okay, well, I'm 
we're how are we how are we gonna update the state? Okay, well if we're gonna update the state, we're always gonna do this. We're always gonna make sure that it's immutable. Um, maybe we're gonna pull in immutable JS or some other library to make sure that stuff stays stays relevant. You end up making it's almost the same way we're going with any other framework. You could you could write you could do all of this without Angular, without NGXS, without all of it. But you a lot of times you just end up writing your own libraries and your own frameworks on top of it. And sometimes that's what you want, but a lot of times. Uh, you want the pros of going with a library, which include things like it's being tested, it's being used by other people, not just you. So it's more likely that there will be scenarios that uh, are already accounted for that you weren't thinking about, um, or different ergonomics that you didn't even know were possible. So, for, for instance, if you're not super familiar with um, how to write decorators and things like this, it's like, oh well, I would have done that, but I didn't know you could. And now, when you have a library that does it, it helps you out with some of that stuff. So. Again, to kind of go back, in the same way that you can get really far with just um, with just inputs and outputs, once you decide that you need to take the step in that direction, um, you would be you'll be surprised how complicated it can get if you're not being careful. On the note of complicated, let me just say like there's a lot of articles out there that say like, oh, I wrote Redux with one line of RxJS code. That is true, you can do that, but it doesn't do anything. <laughs> this was, you know, uh, before I started creating this project, I was, um, I, I specifically avoided making this because I knew it was going to get crazy um, with all the scenarios. And I spent a lot of time like playing with different ideas and Right, I, I I was in, in I in fact even wrote a couple of libraries that were on top of NGRX that really allowed me to still keep NGRX and, and take advantage of that. But the more that I added on top of that and the more things that I wanted to do, I ended up, well, this is ending up being more of a hack than it's actually being beneficial for me. Um, because state management is really complex uh it sounds easy just like setting some properties and stuff like that but some of the scenarios with like substates right like that's a that gets into like dependency graphs and things like that and it gets really crazy really fast really simple stays really simple after you go beyond simple you can start getting yourself into a bunch of trouble so it's at one point you you were working, you were trying to work with NGRX and, and kind of get the, the special functionality that you wanted without, so when you decided like to just go off and do your own thing, was that, was that a difficult decision for you? Like what, what made you, what was really the thing that made you make that decision? Yeah, I think um, I, I posted a blog article this weekend um, that got quite a few like feedback on. Um, and I think like the, uh, basically like outlining the reasons why I decided to do this. And, and like I said, I really, I want to build on the ecosystem. I don't want to be that guy that just creates another JavaScript framework, right? Like we already have enough of this in our life, enough fragmentation, enough libraries that we have to learn and things like that. And so I really wanted to avoid that and just enhance it. But, you know, at some point, um, you know, at, I was starting to build on top of it and I was starting to run into scenarios where I just flat out wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do. And um, at that point, I started like weighing, you know, what I was trying to do uh, in like retrospect to what NGRX was actually providing me. And at that point I was kind of like, um, I'm just gonna, you know, start this and we'll see where it goes, right? Type thing. Um, so, I mean, kind of talking about getting back to like why, you know, um, you know, uh, that's a question that a lot of people ask me. Like, okay, like, you know, NGRX has its pro or it has like its downfalls um, in terms of like the boilerplate and the things like that. And really, I was trying to reduce some of those and kind of in a gist like why i actually created this was um ngrx and redux uh ngrx is based on redux and redux was really built for react 
all the concepts around it, like pure functions, um, and those agronomics are all centered around how React works, right? Like React prefers functions over classes, right? There's no dependency injection and things like that. And so I really thought that I really wanted to take a step back from that because I would I ask myself, I go, if I were writing an Angular app and I wasn't using Redux, would I actually have a pure function with a switch statement at all? And I think I ask you that, Justin, and you're like, I don't think I would, right? Like, and so that's not really like the code style that we write when we write Angular apps. We don't write pure functions. We use dependency injection. We use classes and we use decorators. So what I wanted to do is I really wanted to rethink. Um, you know, I played around with a lot of different frameworks like MobX, Redux, UX. Uh, I researched CQRS patterns for the server, and I really played around with a lot of these, and I, I kind of ended up back in the same, you know, I went in this circle, and I kind of ended up at the back at the same point where I really like the Redux pattern. Um, I just don't like some of the things that are around it. And so kind of talking about those switch statements, like that drives me like I understand like why they're there, but they drive me bonkers, right? Like, <laughs> like it. I'm just like, why can't we just, you know, have a class, or why can't we just have like an object or something that we put our expressions on? And so those things drive me bonkers. They always have from the first start. You know, another reason like why I went down this road is um, I wanted to create something that felt more like it was designed for Angular. I wanted to create something that used classes, that used decorators, that used dependency injection. All the things that we use today, I wanted to rethink Redux for, completely rethink it for the way that the ergonomics of Angular are. Um, and kind of talking about some of those ergonomics, right? We have dependency injection. We use it everywhere in, um, in our applications and in React land, there is no DI. So if you're in a reducer um, and in React, you've got like this service locator pattern where you can just import something and use it, right? And we, we can't really do that. Um, and so having the ability to put, um, you know, use dependency injection with, you know, some of our reducer functions and things like that. Some people would argue like they're supposed to be pure functions, but at the same time, like we want to try to author like reusable code and reusable code like comes with functions. You know, maybe they're just mutating a class, but we want to reuse it in multiple places. So that's where that kind of comes in. And I think the big, some of the biggest things, um, that everyone you know complains about is boilerplate hell right like in your typical like redux or ngrx setup you have actions you have effects producers and selects that's four files that you know while they're not big files it's four different files right that you have to create every time you create a new smart component and these are all kind of dealing with the same thing. They're all dealing with a state container, whether that's mutating the state directly or reaching out to a service that mutates the state. What I wanted to do is I wanted to try my best to reduce all this down into something that was a little more simplified for like state containers and things like that. And then there's some other reasons around um, like uh, you know, using spreads all over the place. Why can't we let the framework handle that? Uh, using promises with uh, instead of observables. Um, and uh, but one of the other big ones that um, I kind of feel like is NGRX effects or uh, and Redux observable, which is kind of the same thing. It's an awesome approach to an event stream, but they are painful as hell to construct, read, maintain, and teach other junior devs about them, right? Like their simple thing can end up being really difficult. And I wanted to try to simplify that as well. So those are kind of the reasons why I went down this approach. Did uh, it I turn out might... simpler? Of course it did. When are you gonna show us the code? 
in 10 minutes. Show us. Show us. I want to see it. Justin, do you have any questions about that, though? I mean, so it sounds like a lot of it is reimagining the the ergonomics and the user API, right, of it that you're trying to solve. You said, look, I want to I want to make this more of an angular type of experience. And what would that API look like from a, a user standpoint to implement state management, right, in, in our angular applications? Uh, and then still be doing this, this state management pattern, but also some additional, you know, um, tweaks and changes. And I think you'll get into that as you show the code. I've seen it before, so I'm kind of <laughs> talking about it. But um, but yeah, some of that stuff, you know, like, like you talk about with with kind of the effects concept and and some elements where you want to provide a different approach to handling that segment of state management, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that you know, and a lot of these are just my opinions, right? Like. Um, I'm not saying that like the way that NGRX does things or Redux does things is wrong. Like they're very smart people. They know what they're doing. They they have a great problem and they made a great solution. I just have a different opinion about some of the ways that I would you know solve some of these things, and and that's really where this comes from. So what about the name, like uh, <laughs> NGXS, right? Uh, and we've got NGRX, and, and so tell us a little about that. Yeah, so the so about two years ago, I think it was now, like I started this trend uh, of naming everything NGX, and a lot of people were like, oh, like that's so confusing, but I named like all my libraries NGX dash whatever, right? And because I used to have them NG2, right, and then NG came along and it messed all those names up and I was like what am I gonna name this now I don't want to name it ng so I came up with ngx and so ngxs is like ngx plus state s for state and that's it <laughs> that's pretty Reason. much it right. I didn't like try to copy anyone or anything like that like it does, it is confusing because it is four characters and it's really close to NGRX. <laughs> um, but that's that's where the name came from. Okay, I got a really important question. Are all the letters capital? Is the N capital and the XS capital? Like how how's that supposed to look? That's a good question. Maybe maybe you should uh uh submit a bug for that so we can figure that out. Well, your logo has them all all caps. Right, so I'm assuming that's the case. I kind of feel like if it's all caps, it's like I'm yelling it. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, do you want to demo some stuff? Show some people about like. What Actually, I don't have any demos set up. <laughs> Just kidding, Bonnie. <laughs> you have to show us the code. You can't come and talk about the code and not show us the code. That's not allowed. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so let's look at, let's first look at what I'm gonna demo. So um, I've got this like simple to-do app, right? Like I can come in here and I can add to-dos and I can remove to-dos and if I, Add a to-do with the panda name, a panda emoji comes up down here for every time I add one. And there's like some detailed state stuff, but that's mainly just for testing. So um, that's pretty much the app is really simple. It's just like a basic to-do with add and remove. Um, but I want to show you, I wanted to demo this simple code so that you can like not focus on a lot of the like extra stuff, we really kind of focus on the the ergonomics of you know just what the basic you know thing is and also uh, real quick before we get into it for anybody else that is watching um this is the app that is currently acting as our integration test for stuff um so if anybody wants to see it and play around with it if you clone the repo um it's in there under the integration folder yeah just clone the repo npm install npm start you get this app so let's take a look at what our state definition looks like. So 
if I'm going to, uh, we, we would probably call this like a reducer, right? If I'm going to define a state, um, this is this is basically what this looks like. It looks like Angular code, right? Like we've got decorators, classes, all this stuff. So we have this decorator that's called uh, state. And in this state uh, decorator, you pass the type of the state. This state is just a string array. Then you pass the name for the state. And this is the name that will be uh, in the like global state. Then you can pass some defaults in here, right? right here, right? So I could like make this like panda, and then if I refresh it, panda's gonna show up there automatically for me. We'll start it off with empty. So don't worry about this right now, we'll get into that. So we've got two different um, actions here. So we uh, basically in NG NGXS, everything's an action, you're just emitting actions. So I've got an action called add to do, and I've got an action that I call remove to do. And that action has two arguments. Uh, one of the arguments is the state context. So we have this get state and set state. Um, and the reason why these are get state and set state instead of just like passing and returning the state is because we want to make sure that if you are doing an action, right, and you were to do something um, async, that when you get the state, it's always the freshest state. So we have this function that allows you to get the state and set the state, and this allow you to like actually set this in any type of control flow uh, within your action. And there is no effects, right? If you're doing asynchronous things, you just do them within an action, right? Like this panda service it and. If we return this, it'll automatically subscribe for us. And then I do pipe, tap. Now, then I can say, this code's not right, but you get the idea. So this is one of the big differences between normal Redux and, right, normal, but standard Redux and this pattern that we kind of that we came up with is that when normally in Redux a single action means a single state mutation. With NGXS, that is not necessarily the case. A single action could potentially update the state several times, um, which which we did in this case specifically on purpose. Um, so that might that actually might very specifically be something that some folks don't like, but that was a conscious decision that was made when designing the API. It's crazy. Yeah. You guys are nuts. <laughs> and, you know, there are, like, downsides to that approach, right? Like, um, if you were to, like, replay the dev tools, right, you're going to see, like, one state mutation for this entire function. But that really depends on the architecture of your actions, right? Like, you don't have to do it right like this. You know, you could actually make it dispatch another action here and then have another add to do success, right? Like you don't have to do it like this. And it really just depends on what you're doing, right? Like if you're just setting something as loading and then you want to reach out to your Panda service and then set the state, right? Like having two different actions for that specific thing just feels a little redundant to me. So I wanted to like simplify everything and just boil it down to something simple where if you're dealing with the state, right, the state, it's always an action. And the action can get and set the state. And then whatever you do within that action, as long as you're still working with the state, I think it's a valid operation. Now, one thing not to do with actions, and I say this in the documentation, is like don't do uh, like... Don't do like view specific things like you do with NGRX effects, right? Like the state is the state, right? Like do things that resolve around that state. If you're going to show a dialogue or something like that, there are different ways to approach that. We want to try to keep these, this state container to be pure to just dealing with the state. So I think really quick to recap like what's going on here, right? You've got this action decorator that NGXS is providing, right? That you're decorating a method inside of your class. So you set up this to-do state that's going to represent your to-dos and you're decorating a method 
add to do with this with that action. And that is going to get called. NGXS is going to handle calling that and sending in the state context, right? Then you have everything that you need to work with inside of there. That's correct. And and for the most part, right, like your your actions should be pure, right? Like you don't really need to you know, don't do things like this. Right? Like shouldn't do things like that and some people say like um you know well with you know redox pattern with the you know secure functions right you really can't do that but you actually can't right like you just set a fump, right like you just set a variable in that closure right so th that's not true right and so some of those same principles still apply here right like don't do silly things like put state within your state within your state <laughs> And then so let's look really quick in that that decorator that action decorator you're handing it an add to do type what is that um so add to do is a action um so very similar it's a class to, yeah yeah sorry it's a it's it's very similar to what you would see with dispatching actions in something like ngrx so i've got a class here that I say add to do, and then I just say the constructor is a read-only payload of the name of the to-do. Now you'll notice I don't have any types here or anything like that, that you, you know, string types like drive me bonkers in code. And so you'll notice that I don't have any types here, um, you know, type strings here. So the reason why is because if we're dispatching a class, we can actually read the signature of that class and do that matchup for you. So you don't even have to define that. So it just uses the class name to symbolize and, and do the matching of the functions for you. You're such a rebel. <laughs> By so the way, uh, one of our watchers on YouTube, uh, Jay Bishawi, says he likes your uh, new haircut. My what? Your new, your new hairdo. Because oh. I, I suspect it's because he has the same hairdo because I saw his picture online and he has the same hairdo. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Uh, so let's get back to the component and take a look at what we're doing in this component um, to actually like trigger those things to happen, right? So we've got a add to do that's got a placeholder that says new to do. And uh, when we click it, we're going to pass the text. We're going to call a function, and then we have a uh, list that's going to iterate over each one of the to-dos observables, and I can click remove to-do, and it's gonna pass the index for me. And then also down here, we have another uh, observable list that's going to um, uh, loop over the pandas and throw a panda emoji. So if we look at what the add to-do looks like, it's pretty similar to what we would see in like uh, in GRX, we inject the store. Uh, add to do is going to dispatch a new add to do, and the arguments is going to be the to do, and then the rest is black magic. It just knows how to match it up and and do all that type of stuff for you. Um, instead of using uh, you know this dot store dot select, uh, we actually have some select decorators here. Um, so I can actually select out uh, the state. And one of the cool things about this is because we have classes and those classes have signatures and metadata associated to them, for your select, you can just pass the class and it will return you out the state for you. So you don't have to say state.todos, right? You know, state into state.todos, right? You just give it the class and it can do that for you. Now you also notice I have this other thing called to do state dot pandas, and this is actually what we call a selector, um, and this is a static function that will pass the state, and that's the state of the to do. That's not the global state. It will pass the state of the to do, and it will actually like filter that out for me. So now, if I want to only show my pandas, I say to do state dot pandas. And I've got a very nice memoized uh, selector there for me. 
And so that that actually is a key thing. The reason, because you could just do that with a function. You can just pass um, a, a function into that select decorator. But if you do it this way with the select uh, with the selector decorator, um, the results will be memoized. And for anybody that doesn't know what that means, that means that given the same, the since it's a since this is a pure function, um, you can use the inputs kind of as a key to the the output. So you can um, avoid having to redo some of the same work. What if you're lazy loading multiple modules? Can it handle that? Absolutely. There is a for feature. Um, so um, <laughs> yeah, so there's a so there's a for root there's a static for root method um, on the main module, and then there's also a for feature module, which is, uh, to be used for um, for lazy loaded um, stores or uh, state classes. So the to do store might be only one store, and you might have more stores. Yeah, in this it, in this use case, I've actually got more than one store. So um, I've got uh, this one. This to do is actually a sub store, um, which is a fancy word for just like nested uh, like stores. So I actually have like a parent to dos state. And then within that parent to-do state, I have a child that is the to-do state. Now, when I look at my app state, um, you just define an app state and you say, here's what the app state interface looks like and here's the states that are within it. And then in my um, module, in my root module, you just say for root and you pass those states. Now, if you were going to lazy load that, freaking prettier. <laughs> Prettier drives me bonkers. Um, if you're going to lazy load that, you would say ingex module for feature and pass that. Pass your substate. Yeah. So, and so I, I also feel like we should we should go into what some what that um uh, that substate feature is um a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you want to do that right now, but there's also a, a good example in the docs that we can also uh, that we can also point to for how that um what that looks like um so pretty much it's like what um austin said you can declare children in your uh in your state decorator for other for other children um and at that point um there you will have a a new property but that 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 property is being updated by this um by a, a, an entirely different state class, um, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. So and speaking of the docs, can I bring up one point real quick? Yeah. Um, it, so something that's different here is that your a user is defining their state graph by creating these classes and then decorating them with the at state, right? Versus say, like, I'm not writing an interface somewhere and maybe an initial state somewhere that kind of is my mental map of, of creating my state, you know, um, graph. I'm doing that in these classes, right? In these classes. And that's why when you get to the sub stuff, you kind of talk about, you're kind of building that out with that, right? Is that correct? Yeah. And I think this should feel familiar to people though, because this type of syntax was actually inspired by the Angular router syntax, right? In Angular router, you have, you know, top levels and then you have children. And those children refer to other routes, and and that's kind of what this uh, what this syntax was actually inspired by. We went back and forth on a lot of different ways, right? Um, but there are some limitations around um, uh, providers and making these injectable and the AOT that kind of prevented us from doing some of those things. Um, so, with before we move on. All of your states are actually, you can inject something into them. You don't, all you have to do, they're automatically set up when you define them in your module uh, for dependency injection, and you can just inject whatever you want into them. Just be, you know, conscious of what you're putting in there. So they're asking on YouTube, the Redux debugger is uh, compatible? Oh, of course this? it is. Um, so in order to, uh, out of the box, um, we have three different debuggers or three different plugins. So we have this entire plugin 
API that allows you to create your own plugins, right? Um, you, you can create uh, services and you just say, um, this is a plugin. Uh, I can inject my own options, right? You can provide your own auction actions. And then there's a handle argument that passes you the state, the action, and the next function. And then the next function allows you, you could change the state entirely, change the name of the action that you're passing. I see a typo here, um, but, uh, and then it returns an observable to you for the results. So there's a lot of um, flexibility here to create your own plugins, but out of the box, we have a basic logger plugin. We have the Redux DevTools plugin, and we have a local storage plugin. Um, and so if I come back over here, do, 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 do. I didn't sacrifice anything to the demo gods today. Oh, yes. It worked. <laughs> I act so surprised. Um, I come over here, hit add. They have more see, questions on YouTube when you get a minute. We can see that our list here now has food. Yay. I can remove that. We're going to see remove. I don't know why it got fired twice here. That's probably a bug. But it is a bug. It's the bug that we just fixed, I think. I thought I fixed it already, but okay. Anyways, uh, it was fired twice. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, still a work in progress. <laughs> um, but yes, it does work with the DevTools. Um, we have more questions. Do you have time from YouTube? Let me let me get through everything real quick. Okay. Uh, speaking of that documentation, one of the big things in order for people to like fully know how to use this the correct way, I wanted to make sure that we had great documentation. So if you go out to the repo, there's documentation around the entire concept, what you should do advanced scenarios, whether that's lazy loading, substates, caching, pub sub, composition. Composition becomes really easy because it's just inheritance because we have classes. How to deal with error handling, um, you know, how to use do unit testing. There's even a style guide for the way that you should name things. Um, so extensive documentation was built around uh, the, this, this project. And, I'm really proud of that. Uh, one last thing before I move on. Um, one thing that I kind of do, uh, a lot of this is designed around CQRS, but one thing that I kind of do that kind of breaks that CQRS pattern, um, but I feel like it's totally worth it because it drives me absolutely bonkers, um, is the ability after I dispatch an event to actually subscribe to when that thing happened, to when it finished. One of the things that you deal with in like Redux and NGRX is trying to make everything reactive. And in trying to do that, you create like a lot of these like pseudo properties that don't actually really, they're not actually anything state, right? Like you're just flipping something just to flip something so that you can react to it in your UI, right? Sometimes like I save a model, I just want to set my form to be pristine, but I don't want to set it to be pristine until that's actually saved and was completed. So the ability to subscribe to this does break that pattern, but I will note that Vuex does do the same thing, uh, which is Vue's state management system. Um, the ability to subscribe to that. Now, the result of that subscription, you don't get any result because, result because this remove to do could have fired any number of actions and who knows what this state is. So if you want to take the state, right, like you can always, you know, pipe and, and select out your state. Uh, and get it right here. But uh, you do have the ability to do this, and I think this is an incredibly important thing um, that I, I, I really think adds a lot of value in terms of like building practical applications. Yeah, I see that as a, a benefit to, you know, make it more approachable, right? To solve those problems without adding the complexity. I think one of the things you think about is, okay, if I want to dispatch to remove and then I want to handle the UI when that's done, do I need to create another um, property in my state somewhere, an action reducer that goes along with that just to wire that up? This subscribe allows you to 
get to there without doing all of that work, right? But at the same time, you could still do it the other way as well if you need to, correct? All right, Bonnie, ask your questions. I'm putting them, I actually just put them in the Hangout Slack. There was one from uh, Porowit Kubunma who said, what about computed value, which is derived from another state value? And there are some more, I'm gonna paste them into the chat. Wouldn't that just be a merge map? Uh, Jay wants to know, is plugins similar to meta reducers? Do you, Danny, do you want to take the one about computed values? Um, so I, so I, was, I was looking at it, and I'm trying to figure out, a, determine exactly what he's talking about. So, so it kind of sounds like a computed value derived from another state. That kind of sounds like what we were just talking, what we went over briefly before about child states. Um, uh, I, I don't know for sure if that's what um, uh, if that's what's being referred to in this case, but that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, but if you have a property that you want computed from a different state class, you can do that. You just declare um, that state class as a child of another one, and then that property will be available. Um, that'll probably be available in the state, but it will always it will get updated from everything. Uh, will get updated from uh, from the other state class. Um, what are some of the, give us a, give us a couple more real quick ones, Bonnie. Uh, actually, I think Justin said we're out of time or we're almost out of time. Let's do the, there was one more in there. Um, are plugins similar to the meta reducers? Uh, kind of, um, but they're different at the same time. They're more like Redux plugins and um, I wanted to make them more like Redux plugins so that we could actually leverage the Redux community and ecosystem. So there's actually an outstanding issue. Um, it's not hard to do. I just need to find time to do it where uh, create an adapter. And that should be really, should be pretty easy to do. And then you'll be able to tap and use any of the Redux ecosystem that's out there, which is pretty huge. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different, you know, vision for the API. Um, I can certainly see there's a lot of, um, you know, let me take you off, stop presenting. Um, you know, it feels like lighter to get up and going, right? I think you're accomplishing that in terms of making that API a lot simpler to get up and going with state management and consuming it and that sort of thing. That's very interesting. We have time for picks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any other last things you want to add to it before we hit the top? Because we're at the top of the hour, so we'll probably get into picks and, and wrap it up. So. Yeah. So I mean, I just showed like a very simple use case. Um, like I'm said, I'm really proud of the documentation. Uh, there's a lot of cases that we cover. We actually cover in the documentation. Uh, the project's still evolving, right? Like. Um, we're making a big push towards 2.0 right now. We're trying to wrap it up, um, but there's only a couple handful of bugs left uh, before we release 2.0. And then uh, we already have, you know, 2.1 plan for cancelable, cancelable uh, actions and Redux DevTools replay and things like that, as well as a lot more plugins to add. I want to create a rich plugin interface. Um, there's a lot of plugins I've actually written for NGRX that I want to port over and and have those in this ecosystem. Um, but overall, like our people, you know, it's still pretty new. We're still ironing out some, you know, minor details. Um, but I'm really happy with where we've landed at, on this with 2.0. I think we've got, you know, I've actually implemented it in a couple of like larger applications now and feel really, you know confident about how it works and the, the ergonomics of it and things like that. So I'm really excited for the future. I'm disappointed because my friend, Mike Brocky couldn't be here today and he offered me $5 to try to mess you up and everything I came up with, you'd already thought of, and now I'm not going to get my money. So whatever. No, but it's seriously, it's really cool though. I'm just giving you a hard time because Brocky's not here to do it. So, so, uh, Austin, you're going to be at NGConf. Danny, are you going to be at NGConf? 
I am not. I'm in the middle of a, a, a of a pretty big push at work, so I'm kind of locked locked down to uh, to home base for a little bit. Okay, well, one of the two will be there. So uh, if you're going to NG Comp, you know, hit Austin up while you're there if you want to talk to him about NG uh, XS. Right? I'm sure you're going to be ready to talk. Bonnie said she's going to make me some stickers. I got you on the hook now, Bonnie. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Awesome. And uh, what's the best way for people to find out about NGXS? Just Google it. Is it hot now? Uh, there's someone that has a stock ticker, NGXS. Those losers. Um, <laughs> but if you type NGXS GitHub, you can find it pretty easily. Um, uh, actually, I just typed in NGXS and it came up first. GitHub. Whoever owns that company is going to be mad at me now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, let's get to some picks and then we'll uh, put a bow on it. Uh, Bonnie, do you have any picks? I have one. I don't know if we've mentioned this before. Uh, I think actually we did mention it last week, but I want to throw it out there again because I'm pretty excited. Uh, Alyssa is helping with the diversity scholarship for NGCOM and she set up a YouCaring uh, link so that people could donate. And I think it's really awesome. And uh, so I wanted to give it another shout out because we only have a couple weeks left. Yes, definitely. People should check that out. and. Uh consider if they can. <laughs> cool. All right. My picks are, uh, I just learned about the, from a tweet, this uh, Bash Curly Braces expansion. Uh, I come from uh, a Windows environment, longtime Windows user. So a lot of PowerShell and stuff like that. Uh, so still kind of doing a little more Bash recently. Uh, but the ability to do, like if you do the touch command to create a new file, you could name that file, you know, index dot, and then you use curly braces and do HTML comma MD. Uh, curly brace and, and hit enter, and it'll create both of those files for you with those two different extensions. So I don't know, that was pretty cool. Um, probably been around for a while. Everybody's using Bash is like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so whatever, but that was one of my picks. Uh, the other one is uh, the Chrome DevTools tweeted out about the function monitor events uh, that you can use uh, in the Chrome DevTools to wire up to a selected targeted element. So like if you're in Chrome DevTools and you, you select an element, in the mark markup, you can use dollar sign zero, and that'll be the selected element. So you can call mo monitor events first argument dollar sign zero, the one you have selected. Second argument, the string name of the event, like click. And then as you click in the UI, you'll start getting an output of those events in your dev tools. So that was pretty cool. Those are my two picks. Um, Danny, do you have something? Yeah, I do. So I have, I have two. I have one that's relevant and I have one that's not relevant at all. Uh, the, the one that is relevant is there uh, is a, a really good book called Grokking Algorithms that uh, one of the reasons I bring it up is it is on sale right now on Amazon. So you can get it for like under 20 bucks, I think. Um, but if you uh, do not come, so if you're like me and you did not come from a computer science background, um, it gives, uh, it goes through a lot of pretty basic things, but it teaches you about big O notation and binary sort and a, a bunch of stuff that you may not be familiar with. And it does it in a very approachable way, in a very readable way. Um, so I highly recommend it, um, and especially now because it is on sale. Uh, my second pick is just another book that I'm reading, and it's a graphic novel called Headlopper, which is pretty much about exactly what the title is, but it's very, very good, and it's very entertaining. So if you're into graphic novels, uh, Headlopper. Nice, cool. All right, Austin, do you have any picks? Uh, I there's a show I really, really love, Westworld on HBO, and the next episodes are like coming out in the next couple of weeks. I'm like so excited. So Westworld is my pick. If you haven't seen it, it is an amazing show. Nice. Not only does he sleep, he watches TV apparently too. When do you find the time? And he has a dog that he takes care of and walks and all this stuff. And that's crazy. He just looks like he's working hard. It's all a trick. <laughs> cool. All right. That's a wrap for the show today. Uh, thanks, Danny, for coming on. Uh, awesome coming on and, and sharing this library that you two are working on. Uh, really exciting. Thank you. No, thank you very much. I was, I was thrilled to be here. Awesome. Maybe we need to have you come back on, Danny, for your own episode to talk about a different topic if you'd like. Um, I would love to. Awesome. All right. He's good at unit testing, I hear. 
Nice. Have your people call our people. Yeah, yeah, right. Have you call me and we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Next week, uh, we've got an episode on RxJS with Tracy Lee, Ben Lash, and Jay Phelps is going to join us. So it's going to be pretty hot, just like this one. So make sure you tune in and it should be good. All right. Catch you later. Thanks. Bye.